and we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live on a Tuesday, recording the show. It is the World Series Preview. All of the information, stats, news, scores, players that you need to know to prepare yourself for this weekend in Lewiston, Idaho, moving into next week. All of this for the 64th Avista NAI World Series from Harris Field in Lewiston, Idaho. We have everything for you here at NAI Ball, the number one source for small college baseball around the nation at any level, is in the NAI. And it's brought to you by NAI Ball. And NAI Ball Podcast is brought to you by Silverback Sports. That's right, Silverback Sports. At Shop Silverback for socials and shopsilverback.com. All of everything, just everything that you need for arm care and training essentials, whether it be for team or individual use. This is a NAI-made company run by NAI coaches who, guess what? They're still playing. They're still rolling, baby. So give them a follow at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com for everything, whether it be bands, plyo balls, training tips, as well as instructional videos on workouts that you can do to get better each and every day for team and individual use. They are not just supplying teams at the NAI level. They are supplying teams at the Division I level, at Division II, Division Three, Junior College, and MLB level. Everything you need is from Silverback Sports. Durable, affordable arm care and training essentials for everyone. Yourself, your team, anything that you need. So give them a follow while you're listening to the NAI Ball Podcast. Support the people who support this podcast. So that's Silverback Sports at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com. I'm your host as always, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter. For myself, we will bring in the foremost authority on NAI baseball in just a moment, but let's line up what we've got for you in this show, folks. We have an absolutely fantastic show coming up for you. We are going to jump right into opening round MVPs for the first time ever. We are going to give you who we see as the best player in each opening round tournament, as well as we're going to go through every single team in the 64th Avista NAI World Series, who each team is what they bring to the table, how they got there, who are the players that you need to know, and then we are going to pick the day one winners as well as who we see dogpiling at Harris Field at the end of the week. So it is going to be an absolutely fantastic show. We even have a surprise for you. That's right. He can basically apply for his own citizenship in Idaho. It is Patrick McCarthy, who's been to Lewiston eight straight times as the head coach of Falkner University will join us on the podcast as well. But before all of that, the foremost authority on NAI baseball, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, what's going on, baby? Buddy, I'm just glad to be back, man. It's been 11 days since we've done a show together now, uh, since a Friday ago. So just glad to be here, man. We're wrapping up our final week of the season. Man, it's been fantastic. Uh, I believe we have surpassed the 50 show mark uh, in our tenure as, as a podcast. You know, we're getting ready to enter season number five at the end of this one. We essentially have two episodes left, man. That's it. We've got this World Series preview. 
And then we've got an end of the year wrap up show uh, where we will release, you know, that show is going to be crazy because it's going to be like all in AI ball team. It's going to be uh, both of our all in AI ball teams, our award show, as well as probably some interviews, you know, to wrap up the season. So it is going to be absolutely exciting, man. I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm looking forward to it. Cody, the World Series, though, there's nothing like it. This is the best World Series, in my opinion, outside of Omaha. It is going to be absolutely fantastic, man. And I got to start off, you know, I got to be a part of history today, eight years ago. Uh, Cody Faulkner threw a no-hitter against Sterling College eight years ago today. I was in the dugout for that one. I actually charted that game for him, and nobody realized that it was a no-hitter really going on. I'll get into that more in a moment, but it was the fourth no-hitter ever thrown at the NAI World Series, the first coming in 1961 by Sam Houston State, the second coming in 1978 by Emporia State, the third coming in 1992 by Wilmington out of Delaware, and the fourth being Cody Faulkner, the left-handed pitcher out of Irving, Texas, for Northwood University out of Cedar Hill, Texas. And what a moment that was, man. Absolutely, man. I mean, I remember you telling me about it, and I know he carved up. Didn't throw a lot of pitches that day, I want to say. How many pitches did he throw? 94 and over 80. I want to say like 82, 83 of them were fastballs. So, you know, he's from the left side, 87 to 90 miles an hour uh, with a changeup. And he just, you know, he didn't strike. He only struck out one batter. He walked two, and he just was lights out that day, though. There were some big-time defensive plays. Shout-out to my boys, Ike Matrino, second baseman, as well as shortstop Elvin Rodriguez and, you know, Jordan Lewis in center field making some diving plays. And, and my favorite my favorite uh, tweet of the day, you know, I tweeted out a whole thread about what I was thinking and, and what was going on in that. Uh, but my favorite tweet of the day comes from Robert Garza, who was the assistant coach on that team, and he said that was, that team was a team. First baseman playing catcher, two middle infielders playing in the outfield, second baseman playing third base, third baseman playing first base, and a pitcher DHing, an unselfish group that only cared for one thing, each other. And that was the craziest part, man, is, is you know, we've had Adam Humes on the NAI Made podcast uh, brought to you by NAI Ball. Adam Humes was Captain America. I mean, he was our team captain. He was our first baseman, and he had to step in, and he was the catcher. He called that game. You know, and and they made things really work that day. Uh, you know, we had Joey Reyna, our third, our normal third baseman, playing in the outfield. Herb Romero in the outfield. You know, so it was just crazy. We had people shuffled all over the place. The only person that was in his right spot were Jordan Lewis in center and Elvin Rodriguez at at short. So uh, it was an incredible moment. You know, the sun was hitting the scoreboard. Nobody could tell that he was throwing a no hitter. Jordan Lewis had no idea when the game was over that he had thrown a no hitter. He had actually run off the field thinking we would just shake hands and he didn't understand why everybody was jumping up and down and going crazy. That guy had no freaking idea because nobody could see the scoreboard with the sun, you know, in that early first day game, you've been there in Lewiston, you've seen it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, and that's just special. Obviously that's something that you're going to remember forever. He's going to remember forever. And uh, we're recording this on May 25th. Coincidentally, three years ago today was Friday, 2018, first day of the world series. My first time ever going to Harris field was three years ago today. I'm really looking forward to this tournament. That way these kids can make memories they'll remember for a lifetime. That's the most exciting part. I think that's that's what I get most excited for is, you know, I remember my own experiences in Lewiston and with my teammates and spending 10 days out there. And, you know, I, I think about just those memories and being in those dugouts. And, you know, I, I get excited for the guys to that, especially the guys that we know 
uh, that that we're close to, you know, just off the top of my head for myself, you know, uh, Nick Batari and, and Peyton Robertson uh, getting to go out there and, and make some really good things happen. I'm sorry if I forgot anybody in there, but just, you know, off the top of my head, those are the first two that come to mind, you know. So, Cody, I want to give a stat, though, really quickly from the great Denny Grubb. When it comes to NAI World Series information, this is the man. This guy knows everything. And he says that this year there are seven new coaches, which ties the record for new coaches in a World Series. After the first three years, there has been a new head baseball coach in every World Series since the first one in 1957. On top of that, the tournament is currently on the longest shutout streak in tournament history. The last shutout was Game 12 of 2016. That's 63 games since there has been a shutout in Lewiston, Idaho. Of course, that is coming from Denny Grubb, formerly of the Lewiston Tribune, and just World NAI World Series mastermind. A shout out to Denny Grubb for the information. Denny Grubb has been in every single NAI World Series since 1984. I mean, just an absolute beast with the facts and the information. One of my favorite things in Lewiston is picking up a copy of the Lewiston Tribune, reading through the sports section, and you're going to get those nuggets, those little stats from Denny. And uh, that's something we're obviously going to miss this year, but we really appreciate him throwing us that bone. And we will actually, you know, I, I think we're going to subscribe to the Lewiston Tribune this week. Uh, so we will have all of that information at our fingertips, you know, whatever they put out. They do a great job of covering you know, the NAI landscape and they care about the NAI landscape out there. You know, we've been featured in that multiple times uh, throughout our time here at NAI ball. And then even further, you know, we're going to have every single game covered of the NAI world series. I mean, I am so excited. I'm so freaking pumped for Friday already. If you can't tell uh, as well as we will have live coverage, you know, we're going to be doing the Twitter spaces. I want to say Friday night for sure. Yeah, I think it's in the plans to do a late night, you know, a late night Faulkner LC space. NAI ball after dark. NAI ball after dark. Wouldn't want it any other way. We're going to get Faulkner LC, potentially one of the best pitchers in the country. We're one of the best offenses. We definitely want y'all to tune in. Absolutely. So you can jump into a Twitter spaces with Cody and I. We will be giving you our thoughts. We'll be taking some questions. If we get some head coaches in there, we'll be talking to them as well you know, about just some of the landscape across the nation, as well as all of the action going on between LC and Faulkner. And that's something that we're going to try to do every single night. Of course, you know, life gets in the way. I've got, uh, I have to go to a couple of graduation type things on Saturday, but man, I'm going to be, you know, keep checking in with you every 12 seconds to the point where you're going to be tired of me. And I'm just really looking forward to it, man. So Cody, let's jump in to these NAI opening round tournament MVPs and let's kick things off with the Bellevue bracket. The MVP of the Bellevue bracket is going to be Keaton Kander out of Concordia, Nebraska, who went eight for 23 with six runs, three home runs, and eight RBIs. Moving on to Kingsport, the MVP of the Kingsport bracket out of IU Southeast will be Brody Tanksley, who went six for 14 with three runs, two doubles, two home runs, and six RBIs. Out of Marion, It'll be the big slugger out of Oklahoma Wesleyan, Isaac Worslin. He was 7 for 15 with 7 runs, a double, 4 home runs, and 12 RBIs. In Montgomery, out of Faulkner University, it'll be Sam Anthony, who went 7 for 16 with 4 runs, 2 doubles, 2 home runs, and 7 RBIs. Out of New Orleans, it'll be the only pitcher in this group. It'll be Pablo Revelo out of Kaiser University in West Palm Beach. 
He went 11 innings pitched, six hits, 14 strikeouts, one walked, no runs or earned. Out of O'Fallon, Missouri, it'll be Sergio Macias out of Central Methodist University, who went seven for 12 with five runs, six extra base hits, a home run, and nine RBIs. In Santa Barbara, out of Georgia Gwinnett, it'll be Nick Barnes, who went 10 for 21, eight runs, five home runs, 14 RBIs for himself. In Williamsburg, out of LSU Shreveport, the leadoff man, Peyton Robertson, went 12 for 19, 11 runs, three home runs, eight RBIs. He stole two bases, and he was walked six times. And then in Winter Haven slash Lakeland, out of Southeastern University, it'll be Sam Faith, who went seven for 14 with four runs, four doubles, and four RBIs, just an on-base machine for his team. Cody, it was not easy picking all of these regions. No, what? I mean, there were so many stellar candidates, just a lot of great people to choose from. Looking at Kander in the Bellevue bracket, down five to three, season on the line, Bellevue six outs away from winning, going to Lewiston. Keen Kander leads off the eighth inning with a home run, cuts it down to five four. I mean, obviously, Jacob Plot comes in with a big two run home run to win it. But Kander's just special, obviously, in the week. He's been special all season for them. He has 13 home runs on the year. And he just really stepped up when they needed it to. Brody Tanksley. I mean, what can you say about Tanksley? The walk-off home run over Warner. Sensational. Stepped up when they had to have it. Two doubles, two home runs, 18 home runs on the season. He's just been an absolute dude. Worsland stepped up again when they needed it. And if necessary game, put him out front early with a big three-run home run. He currently leads the country now with 29 home runs. Sam Anthony. Anthony saved his best game for the last in the championship game. Two home runs, seven RBIs out of the leadoff spot. What a spark plug for Faulkner when they needed it against Vanguard. Seven RBI performance in the title game. For New Orleans, we've mentioned it already. Pablo Arevalo. I mean, 11 shutout innings. Picked, I mean, against the same team in Oklahoma City, which is impressive. Two innings, nine innings, put it together. Really impressive stuff. No doubt there. Uh, Sergio Macias just really steady, man. And they've got the save against William Carey. The six extra base hits obviously pushed them over the edge. Just been stellar for them all season. Currently leads the team in average. And Santa Barbara, Nick Barnes, absolutely sensational. Five home runs. The best I've ever seen them look. Just parking balls over the fence. And Williamsburg, Peyton Robertson led off three different games with a home run. I mean, what a difference maker he is at the top of the order. Like you mentioned, he has multiple stolen bases. He leads the nation in stolen bases with 44. He is playing his best baseball right now. And then Sam Faith, as we know, 400 hitter, back-to-back years, he's hit 400-plus, just an elite player for them. Obviously, high-level defender, high-level bat, got it done. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this was definitely, it was hard to call in a lot of places. It was an easy call in some places. Uh, I know Kingsport, you and I kind of went back and forth on who we were going to choose. We definitely decided Brody Tanksley was a guy. I was kind of pushing for Adam Goodpaster as well. I thought he had an amazing pitching performance against Tennessee Wesleyan. Yeah, I agree completely. You definitely did want to go with Goodpaster. My line of thinking was that, unfortunately for him, McFadden, who's an elite closer for them, one of the best in the country, came in and got the loss. Therefore, you know, he just didn't get the win. And, you know, I didn't want to give it to a guy on a third-place team, despite how well he looked against Tennessee Wesleyan. I think you had to go with IUS here. They were the team of the tournament. They went 3-0. and knocked off the Giant. You got to go to Tinksley. I mean, I think Marco Romero with the big walk-off over Tennessee Wesleyan was a candidate for me as well. But I think Brody Tinksley, he's just their guy right now. 
Most definitely. No, I agree. Tanksley is is a dude, and this is going to be – I mean, Cody, this is going to be a really fun World Series, the way that it's shaped up. I know Tuesday you and I have said it in spaces again and again and again. Tuesday you and I were kind of like, oh, I don't know how this is going to look. And then all of a sudden we, we've we got you know some of the household names in there as well as some newcomers who can do some damage. So I am really excited to to really jump into this World Series and look at you know, who each team is, man. And if you're ready to roll with that, let's get into it. Yeah, let's dive right into it. But I definitely want to agree with you. As of Tuesday night, we were wondering, you know, after a couple of vet sets, we needed some chalk to happen down the stretch, and it did. So let's jump into these teams. Absolutely, man. Let's do it. We're going to start at the 10 seed. Representing the state of Nebraska, it's Concordia University of Nebraska. Out of the GPAC, they are 42-10. and 10. On the season, they were winners of the Bellevue bracket where they went 4-1 and one in that one. They are hitting at a clip of 342 as a team. Pitching-wise, they have an ERA of 372. Cody, when it comes to their top stats for their team, they are number six in the nation in batter struck out, number nine in the nation in team average, that's team batting average, and number 12 in the nation in RBIs. The two players that I have to highlight here, Cody, are Jaden Adams hitting 394, 76 hits, 65 runs, five home runs, 40 RBIs. And then the pitcher that I've got to highlight is going to be Jake Foskett, man. A 136 ERA, a 9-0 record, 53 innings pitched, and 96 strikeouts. An absolute certified ace on that team. Absolutely. And one of many on that team, if we're being honest, really good pitching team. One thing I hear with Concordia is Velo, Velo, Velo. They have a bunch of guys that throw high eights, low nines. They're going to come at you with Velo. Another pitcher to watch, Trenton Wood. 64 innings pitched, 4-1-0 ERA, 79 strikeouts. That's kind of a theme with Concordia. They're going to miss a ton of bats. A couple of hitters to look out for. We mentioned earlier, Keaton Kander. 379 average, 13 home runs, 50 RBIs. And then Joey Gabanski. Gabanski didn't have the best opening round, but he's definitely a bat to look out for. 366, 14 doubles, and 17 bombs. This is a team, they're 15-5 in their last 20, making their first appearance. With a guy like Foskett, they could make some noise. No, I, I definitely agree. I think that they could make some noise, and they're going to kick it off in an interesting way against another first-year opponent in IU Southeast. It's going to be a really interesting game. Cody, out of the GPAC, this is a team that went 21-7 and in conference play, 42 and 10 overall. It is going to be super interesting to see what happens with them at the number 10 seed, but they have definitely earned their way here and they fought their way back against Bellevue. Like you said earlier, man, that was intense. I had actually turned it. I thought that game was settled. I had moved on to another game already going on. And when you texted me, hey, you got to turn it back, and is back in here. Well, you know, Bellevue turned it around with Corey Jackson who put up the 16Ks, got the win against USAO, or excuse me, they don't want to go by USA anymore, Science and Arts now, got the win over Science and Arts, turned it around, and he pitched well this game against Concordia. Six innings, 10 strikeouts, he was winning. When he left the game, they had a lead, five to three, gave up three runs, and then Concordia just did what they had to do. They got to the bullpen, and as soon as they got to the bullpen in the eighth inning, we talk about those home runs, Candor, home run, turns it to one, Jacob Falk, two-run home run, Tate hits a home run. Three home runs in the eighth inning when you're down by two. Season on the line. You have six outs left. They clutched up. They hit three home runs. And you know what? This program's in Lewiston for the first time. Absolutely huge job of clutching up there. So congratulations to Concordia. They are the number 10 seed 
we'll get deeper into who they play a little later in the show. The number nine seed out of Shreveport, Louisiana, is LSU Shreveport, representing the Red River Athletic Conference at 44-14. and 14. They are the winners of the Williamsburg bracket. They went 4-1 and one in that bracket. They are hitting at a team average of 335, a team ERA of 464. They are number three in the nation in stolen bases, number six in the nation in fielding percentage, and number eight in the nation in RBIs. Peyton Robertson is hitting a 417 average, 80 hits, 64 runs, seven home runs, 56 RBIs. And then Sebastian Selway, 336 ERA, a six and three record, 69 and two thirds innings pitch, 86 punch outs. Cody, the Pilots are back in Lewiston. Yeah, they are. And this is a team that's really just caught fire of late. They're 18 and two in their last 20 games. You mentioned Robertson, another guy to key in at the plate. Taylor Fajardo, 15 home runs. He only has 34 starts. This is a guy that didn't play 18 games that a lot of his teammates played this year. But he already has 15 home runs, major power. Hit a grand slam against Reinhardt in the opening round. That ball's still traveling. I mean, he just has big boy pop. And another pitcher to keep your eye on for Shreveport, I saw him actually get a start earlier this year, but they've been using them out of the pen mainly. Josh Fortenberry, 56 innings pitched, 3.23 ERA, he went 2-0 in the opening round. Check this out. Pitched four straight games. After they dropped that game to Point Park, you know, LSU asked everyone, all hands on deck. They were in elimination mode. Josh Fortenberry goes out there and throws four straight games out of the bullpen, and he puts up zeros. He looked really good. Back-to-back games against Point Park, season on the line, and they go out there and they hold them to one run each. Held them to two runs over two games. Their pitching stepped up. If Shreveport can pitch like this, this is going to be a really tough out in Lewiston. Because we know they can hit and we know they can score runs. Yeah, I got to see Fortenberry in San Antonio when I watched LSU Shreveport. He definitely did good coming out, you know, pitched several good innings there in San Antonio against Our Lady of the Lake. LSU Shreveport is a team that we know can hit. We know that they can put the ball in play. They can get on base, you know, and they're going to run. They're number three in the nation in stolen bases. They play solid defense, number six in fielding percentage, and they'll drive them in. It's going to be really interesting. We will talk more about the Pilots and who they play here in a minute. That brings up the number eight seed, Cody, out of West Palm Beach, Florida. The boys from the Palm Beaches representing the Sun Conference. It's the eight seed, Kaiser University, out of West Palm Beach, Florida at 36 and 16. The winners of the New Orleans bracket, they went 3-0 and in that tournament. They are hitting 318 as a team, a 391 team ERA, 13th in triples, 13th in runs scored, 16th in team ERA. Matthew Catalfo is hitting 389 with 81 hits, seven home runs, 62 RBIs. And we cannot talk enough about Pablo Arevalo and how fantastic he has been this season with a 138 ERA, a 9-3 record, 117 and a third innings pitch, and 114 strikeouts Cody man he has been fantastic if Pablo Arevalo gets an out to start the game in the top of the first the World Series he will have thrown 30 consecutive innings without allowing a run not an earned run folks a run 30 consecutive zeros cannot talk about an out. he's I mean he's going to be the front runner right now he's our front runner for pitcher of the year he has been sensational broke so many records for Kaiser throwing so many complete games He's a frontline guy. He's a guy that can go out there and beat the nine other teams in this tournament. When he pitches his best stuff, Kaiser's going to win. Tim Bouchard, all in the eyeball last year, insane again this year. 16 doubles, 16 home runs. He made so many good plays defensively, too. 
I think just this last week I got to see really just how impressive he is overall as a whole. It's not just a bat with him defensively. He's the real deal. Matthew Cataltho, 389, 16 doubles, 7 home runs, 62 RBIs. And Mason Dennison, 330, 15 doubles, 10 home runs. A lot of offense. A lot of offense for this Kaiser team. If they give a Revelo support, that's a team that's going to win. Yeah, that that's really what, what the name of the game is. You have to imagine that they go into that game one throwing Pablo Revelo because he just gives you the best opportunity to win in that, that game. He has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, 30 scoreless innings is ridiculous, and he just has to get an out to you know, to reach that there. He is the front runner for pitcher of the year. He is fantastic. Uh, not a lot of strikeouts from a Revelo, but he's a guy that pitches to bad contact and gets you to roll over or gets you to pop up and gets the job done. And as a pitching coach, I mean, if you're Joey Housie, how can you not love that? How can you not love that guy? So it's definitely going to be fantastic to see. I'm looking forward to their matchup, which will be LSU Shreveport. And we will dig more into that matchup in just a minute. But, I mean, really excited for Kaiser. It's a program that I spent, you know, four years uh, working at, whether it was as a baseball coach or a broadcaster or covering teams uh, at the local ESPN. So definitely, definitely, definitely excited for those guys from Kaiser to get back to Lewiston for the first time since 2017. Cody, the seventh seed is from the state of Indiana, it's IU Southeast representing the River States Conference at 48 and 14. They went 3 and 0 in Kingsport. 332 team average, 481 team ERA, fourth nationally in doubles, fourth nationally in hits, and sixth nationally in stolen bases. Players to watch Brody Tanksley, 355 average, 78 hits, 18 home runs, 69 RBIs, and then Hunter Cloakey. 301 ERA with a 9 and 1 record, 68 and 2 thirds innings pitch, and 65 strikeouts. Cody, not only is IU Southeast absolutely legit, they've been on the cusp of getting to Lewiston so many times. They probably also match the record for the hardest names to say. I do not feel bad for the broadcasters and the radio guys that are going to have to go at those names all week. And, you know, this is a classic story of played a really good schedule early, didn't play their best baseball early in February. But when they needed to in May, it clicked. The Tennessee Wesleyan stuff, we just will be talking about that for the rest of time. This is a team that played Tennessee Wesleyan in February, got swept, went out there in Kingsport, basically in Tennessee in their backyard, and took both games. The tournament was walking too, because I don't even just mean you talking about it going back. IUS was down six to nothing to Warner in the very first mm-hmm. inning of the opening round. This was a team that was down six to nothing. And then if you told me a few days later, hey, they're gonna go three and oh. I would have never believed it, uh, but really, really good program. Obviously, they turned it around, and they dominated the River States. That really set them up. They swept the conference regular season and tournament, and they just came in hot. Brody Tanksley, 15 doubles, 18 home runs. Marco Romero, 14 doubles, 6 home runs. I mean, that combination of Tanksley-Romero, they hit walk-off home runs in the opening round. Walk-off home run over Warner, walk-off home run over Tennessee Wesleyan. Hunter Cloak. Can't talk about him enough. I mean, the guy's pitched in Cape Cod, 10 and 1 on the year, 301 ERA, 65 Ks. And look for Trevor Reynolds out of the pen. Trevor Reynolds, 58 innings, 281 ERA, 22 appearances this year, 19 out of the pen. Really good arm for them. This IUS team is really good, man, and they're playing their best baseball right now. I want to look at their schedule really quickly. I want to let's go all the way back to February. They played Tennessee Wesleyan three times. They got swept by Tennessee Wesleyan 10 9, 17 to 1. 11-1. to 
They then played tournament team. So that's one tournament team they've played. They then played tournament team Benedictine out of Kansas. They beat them. They played World Series team Central Methodist, lost 10-3. to They played World Series team LSU Shreveport, won 5-4. They played uh, tournament team uh, Science and Arts, lost 10-2. to They played bubble team Huntington and lost all four of those games. And then you look at it, they played bubble team Asbury, won that series. They played bubble team Georgetown, won that game. They played uh, Point Park multiple times. I feel like they've played Point Park six or seven times this year. They're in conference. And then, again, going back and beating Tennessee Wesleyan twice. I mean, that's like 10 games this season. They've already seen two teams in this World Series. They've played the number one team in the nation five times. I mean, it has been absolutely incredible. As far as I'm concerned, Cody, Tennessee Wesleyan is still the number one team in the nation in, in my book. And IU Southeast deserves every bit of credit for knocking them off. I mean, it is something that we will be talking about, like you said, forever. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to IUS was just way underrated. I mean, Tennessee Wesleyan was still elite. IUS is just clearly elite, too. I mean, they're obviously one of the teams that's like number 20 in the country. I mean, they're a team that's clearly better than number 20 in the country. 100% agree on that. The sixth seed out of Montgomery, Alabama, will be Faulkner making their eighth straight trip to Lewiston, death taxes, and Faulkner to the World Series, a term that Cody has coined. They represent the Southern States Athletic Conference at 38-10. and 10. They are the winners of the Montgomery bracket at 3-1. and 1. They are hitting 338 as a team, a 461 ERA, 7th in opponent batting average, 10th in stolen bases, 12th in team average. Sean Ross, man, I can't talk about this guy enough because he is just stellar. Every coach in the SSAC that I talk to, has nothing but great things to say about him. A 311 average, 51 hits, 55 runs, 13 home runs, 39 RBIs. And then Antonio, Antonio Frias, 222 ERA, 11-0 record, 81 innings pitch, and 119 punch-outs, Cody. Yeah, I mean, Frias is elite, man. A true dog on the mound. Leads the country in opponent batting average. People only hit 145 off him. He says tops in the NAIA. Undefeated since 2019. His last loss, coincidentally, came in Lewiston. Came against Belt, that Bellevue team in 2019. Uh, been an absolute dog since. I'm really looking forward to their matchup. Justice Lucas, player to watch. Didn't get to play in the opening round. 407 average, 10 doubles, 9 home runs, 48 RBIs. Middle of the back guy. Justice Lucas, great bat for them. Alex Aruz, 361, 11 doubles, 6 home runs. And uh, you can't go without mentioning their number two, who would be the ace on most people's. Yuli Sosa. Yuli Sosa. 70 innings, 90 strikeouts, uh, sub-4 ERA. This is a really good Faulkner team, man. This is a Faulkner team that has flown under the radar. Obviously, they dealt with some COVID issues in the middle of the year. Didn't get to play a lot of games. Uh, after talking with Coach McCarthy, I want to say they missed out on 16 games this season. So they kind of like flew under the radar, but, you know, death taxes and Faulkner. Yeah, they almost had no non-conference scheduling this season. Uh, I know they've played Talladega and I want to say uh, Indiana Wesleyan, and I couldn't really tell you anybody after that but they've had almost no non-conference scheduling this season. It has been a majority of conference matchups, and they were stellar in conference. The Southern States was absolutely, I think, one of the best conferences, top three conference in the nation this year, and Faulkner has absolutely deserved to get back to here. They had to go. They had to be the two seed at their own place where Vanguard was the one seed, and they had some really great matchups with Vanguard, ending up defeating Vanguard 20-10 to in that final 
matchup to clinch everything. And when they did, man, it was all business as usual, just running out there for them, shaking hands. No dog pile for the regional. They'll save no that. Does it. Yeah, no one does it better than Faulkner with that. I mean, you would think that that was a Tuesday game and they have like a doubleheader coming up in a half hour. I mean, that was business as usual. It really was. I'm surprised people didn't go out there in suits. It was just casual. You know, everybody everybody just was was ready to roll. They were like, all right, book the ticket. Let's take a flight. The five seed, Cody, out of Lawrenceville, Georgia, representing the AII is Georgia Gwinnett. They are 46 and 10. They are the winners of the Santa Barbara bracket going four and one. They are hitting 370 as a team with a 388 team ERA. They are the number one team in the nation in doubles the number one team in the nation in stolen bases, the number two team in the nation in team batting average. Griffin Keller, legit, 472, 101 hits, 82 runs, 16 home runs, 85 RBIs, and then Hunter Dolander, three-flat ERA, 10-1 record, 72 innings pitch, 85 punch-outs. Yeah, I mean, it's a big-time offense for Gwinnett. You mentioned Keller, obviously, with the beastly average, one of the best swings in the country. Nick Barnes, the five home runs last week, got him up to 15 home runs. I think the benefit for Gwinnett, whether it's, you know, you're playing out at Westmont or you're playing at Harris Field, you put their offense in a smaller park, they're going to hit some home runs. I mean, I think we saw it last week, and I think you're going to see some more of it in Lewiston. Gabe Howell, 377 average, nine home runs. You look at Livingston Morris, Gabe Howell, Griffin Keller, or Nick Barnes, a lot of offense. And as you mentioned, Hunter Dolander, uh, closure to watch, Hunter Caudell, absolutely stellar this year. Yeah, no, GGC, definitely a good team. And it'll be, you know, they played a great tournament. They lost, had to battle back, and absolutely got the job done in Santa Barbara. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with them in their first matchup. And the team that they will be playing is the four seed, Oklahoma Wesleyan, representing the KCAC. 49-9 and on the season, the winner of the Marion bracket, going 3-1 and in that one, a 355 Team average at 4.26 team ERA, number one in the nation in runs, number one in the nation in RBIs, and number two in the nation in hits. Isaac Worsland, 3.65 average, 73 hits, 67 runs, 29 home runs, 75 RBIs. And then Crosby Bringhurst, a 3.18 ERA, a 9 0 record, 68 innings pitch, and 78 chairs thrown. I mean, what an offense this team has, 146 home runs, 146, I mean, remarkable, three players with 20 home runs, Cody Muncy, an all-in-the-eye ball finalist. I mean, he's a guy that's really in the running for our player of the year. Cannot talk enough about him. He has 200 total bases, Robbie. I mean, 200 total bases. He leads the country in that stat. He's top five in everything. Isaac Worsland hits absolute nukes. I mean, he is a guy that is going to absolutely crush the ball. They're actually a really good order in the lineup going 2-3 with Muncie being the lefty, Isaac Worsland being a righty. Really tough lineup to navigate, and I'm excited to see those guys in Lewiston. All year we've been looking forward to seeing what they can do, and I'm ready to see that offense go to work. You mentioned it with Bringhurst, the Kentucky kickback. Really good dude on the mound for them. He's going to be up to 90. Really looking forward to seeing him against Gwinnett. Cody, the number three seed. Out of Lewiston, Idaho, the home team representing the Cascade at 41-4 and four is Lewis Clark State. They qualify via the automatic bid, so they have woken up this morning. They are in the World Series. They are hitting 340 as a team, 324 team ERA. They are number one in runs per game at 
number three in ERA, number nine in RBIs. Brock Eifen, a 4.22 average, 76 hits, 62 runs, 18 home runs, 75 RBIs. No denying that guy has been legit. And then Eric Chavarria with a 2.43 ERA, eight and one record, 63 innings pitch, and 65 strikeouts. Man, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this LC team does against quality competition. Uh, that's going to be a big step up for them. They haven't played a team over 500 since February 12th. But Brock Eifen, we know he can hit. We've seen him in past World Series. As you mentioned, 21 doubles, 18 home runs. What a bat they have in him. Big-time matchup they're going to have Friday against Frias. Really looking forward to that one. It is going to be a great matchup between LC and Faulkner. The number two seed, Cody, is Central Methodist out of Missouri, representing the HAAC at 46-6. and They are the winners of the O'Fallon bracket, going 3-0 and in that one. And Cody, what it comes down to as a team, they are hitting an absolutely stellar 343 with a 3-3-0 team ERA. They are number three in the nation in ERA, number eight in opponent average, and they are number eight in their own team batting average. Sergio Macias hitting 412 with 73 hits, 52 runs, 18 home runs, 67 RBIs. The Mason Schwellenbach band with a 234 ERA, a 13 and one record, 80 and two-thirds innings pitch, 104 strikeouts. Yeah, Schwanbach actually leads the NAIA in wins, 13 wins right now. 101 strikeouts, just ridiculous stuff. I mean, he was a guy that was an All-American a couple of years ago. Uh, conference pitcher of the year in heart, Nick Merkel, absolute dog. Whether they throw him on Saturday or Monday, doesn't matter. 12-0 this season, 83 innings, 196 ERA, and 113 punchouts. That's a guy you got to see out in San Antonio. Absolutely stellar this season. Logan Herring, the first baseman. 392 average, 15 doubles, 19 home runs, 50 RBIs. This is a very loaded team. I think the top two seeds are correctly seeded as so. I think Central Methodist is extremely deep, whether it's pitching, at the plate, very, very, very good team. Most definitely have to agree with that. They were they put on one of the most impressive hitting performances in San Antonio, Texas that I've seen by anybody. I've seen you know, USAO there, which is the World Series team. Uh, coming off of World Series year when I saw them and just the same team basically from 2019 when I saw them in 2020. I mean, just absolutely impressive. That is not a hitter-friendly ballpark, and they were absolutely lights out there as well. Cody, the number one overall seed in the 64th Avista NAI World Series out of the Sun Conference reigning at 50-7 and for this year. The reigning Sun Conference champion as well and the win- winner of of the Winter Haven Lakeland bracket at 3 and 0 with a 3.51 team average and a 3.37 team ERA, number 1 team in the nation in hits, number 2 team in the nation in batters struck out and the number 4 team in the nation in runs scored. It is Southeastern University out of Lakeland, Florida. The players to watch for them that I've got written down, Cody, Nick Batari hitting 422 with 81 hits, 80 runs, 21 home runs, 52 RBIs and then Ryan Munoz on the mound with an 11-0 record, a 1.87 ERA. He's even got four saves on the season through 62 and two-thirds innings pitch and 73 punch-outs. Yeah, outside of LC, they have the lowest ERA in the field. Pitching has been stellar, and that's with a couple of injuries. Like, let's face it, the Southeastern team's been depleted a little bit, and they still found a way to get it done, be the top seed. Pedro Castellano, 85 RBIs, 15 home runs. Batari, you mentioned it. What a comeback player for him. Obviously been absolutely stellar. This is a guy that's won a national championship. Now he's back trying to win another one. 20 doubles, 21 home runs. He is one of five players in the country to do that. Christian Camacho lights out 100 innings pitched, 
You don't see that very much in the NAI, but 100 innings pitched, 102 strikeouts. Ryan Munoz, as you said, been stellar. Whether they throw Camacho or Munoz, they're going to be ready. They have depth with DJ Roberts and Jaden Hartle. I just think that this is a loaded team, and they're going to be a serious contender to win it. So once again, Cody, the 10 seed is Concordia out of Nebraska. The 9 seed is LSU Shreveport. The 8 seed out of West Palm Beach, Florida, is Kaiser University. The 7 seed out of Indiana is IU Southeast. The 6 seed out of Montgomery, Alabama, is Faulkner. The 5 seed out of Lawrenceville, Georgia, is Georgia Gwinnett. The 4 seed out of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, is Oklahoma Wesleyan. The home school is Lewis Clark State out of Lewiston, Idaho, and the 3 seed. The two-seed is Central Methodist University out of Missouri, and the one-seed out of Lakeland, Florida, is Southeastern University. Man, I am absolutely pumped for this World Series field. Yeah, absolutely. Friday and Saturday, man, four games a day. Even on Monday, really, you get three straight days of four games. Just, I'm super excited. It is going to be fantastic, Cody. And taking a look at World Series by conference since 2009, man, there are some first-timers in here. You know, the River States Conference getting their first-ever team into this tournament, as well as the GPAC and the Hart Conference getting their first teams as well. So congratulations to those programs. Uh, The Sooner Athletic is now tied because of Faulkner with the Southern States for the most appearances by team since 2009 at 17 appearances in that time frame, Cody. We have basically most of the conferences around the nation have won games since 2016. But, you know, the teams that you're looking at to win a game, the KCAC has an opportunity to win its first game since 2016 when Sterling went uh, two and two. And then the Red River Athletic Conference has a chance to win its first World Series game since my 2013 Northwood Knights uh, won a ball game out there. Actually, today, no hitting Sterling. But everybody else, every other conference except the ones that I mentioned that are there for the first time, have won games since 2017. So it's going to be a really good field, a lot of experience in that field. Uh, Two teams or two conferences tied for the most titles actually since 2009. The Appalachian Athletic Conference has two and the Mid-South Conference has two. Both of those by the same team, though, Cody, with Tennessee Wesleyan winning two, and then Woody Hunt, who, of course, is retiring, and his Cumberland-Tennessee team winning two. So a lot of interesting information we were able to pull about the World Series, man. I am absolutely ecstatic with it, and I, I just think that this is going to be a fantastic tournament. Like you said, Friday, four games. Saturday, four games. Monday, four games. It's going to be really, really, really good baseball and for us to get the start i mean i'm already ready 10 30 in the morning on friday kaiser and lsu shreveport will meet i'm super excited for that one and absolutely looking forward to that three conferences getting their first ever trip the gpac the heart the river states honestly incredible for them uh, you know we've been covering nai since 2017 now so it's just cool to see new conferences out there i think a lot of conference pride will go into this next week I think whether you're like a Briarcliff pulling for Concordia, maybe a Point Park pulling for IUS, I just think that it's cool to see your conference out there representing the more conferences, the merrier. But, buddy, I think it's time we start diving into picks. What do you say? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Kaiser versus LSU Shreveport kicks off the tournament at 8.30 local time on Friday, Cody. I'm I'm going with Kaiser in this one with Pablo Revelo, man. Man, I'm picking against my gut here. Because I think Pablo Revelo is the best pitcher in the tournament. I, I think he's the best pitcher in the tournament. I think Frias is right there neck and neck. 
but I'm going to go Shreveport. I think Shreveport's the better team. Give me Peyton Robertson to on the day. Find him a way to get on base a couple of times. I like Sebastian Selway to go out there and throw a gem. You would expect these two teams to be high scoring because they both have crazy offensive numbers. Give me a low scoring early game. Give me Shreveport. I'm going to take Kaiser. I think it is going to be a low scoring game. Uh, if Kaiser throws Pablo, Kaiser the whole way. If they don't throw Pablo, it'll be very interesting to see. I do think Peyton Robertson is going to offer the most problems to Pablo Revelo. Peyton is the definition of what every coach wants. He's he's gritty. He's going to tough it out. He's going to work hard. He's going to do everything you know, right, and he does that. He comes from a big-time baseball family here in the state of Texas, and, you know, he he's the full definition of that hard-nosed, grinded-out, get-through-it-player that you want on your team, and Peyton Robertson is absolutely that dude. I am excited just for that first freaking at-bat, man, between Pablo Revelo and Peyton Robertson. You know, that's, that's pay-per-view on its own right there, but I'm going to roll with Kaiser. Cody is going to take LSU. Shreveport. The 4-5 matchup, Oklahoma Wesleyan, Georgia Gwinnett. Cody, lead us off in this one. What you got, man? I am going to take Georgia Gwinnett. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be the most entertaining game of the day. I think you're going to see the most home runs. I think you're going to see the most runs scored here. I think Dullander and Brinkhurst, both really good pitchers. I think they're both going to get hit around a little bit. That's just, you know, credit to the offenses they're playing. Give me Georgia Gwinnett in a high-scoring game. Yeah, you're going to go from a low-scoring you know, possibly, uh, I mean, especially Selway and then maybe Fortenberry in there after, you know, depending how, on how they want to stack it up. I don't know how they're going to do it, but that's, you know, just kind of the way they did it through the, the opening round tournament. A low-scoring game between Kaiser and LSU Shreveport to a high-powered, high-octane Oklahoma Wesleyan, Georgia Gwinnett, high-offensive scoring matchup. It is going to be a high-scoring game. I think this one, Cody, could be like a, a 9-8-11, you know, 12-11 matchup. But I, too, am going to take Georgia Gwinnett just by the smallest of margins there. I would not be surprised if Oklahoma Wesleyan won. I would not be surprised. History, though, has not been on Oklahoma Wesleyan's side, and they definitely got a good opportunity to change that around here and pick up the first KCAC win since 2016. But they've been in this spot before, and it has just not gone Oklahoma Wesleyan's way, Cody. Over under 15 and a half. What are you going? I'm going over. I, I think it's comfortably over too. Oh, over. Give me, I, I mean, you pound that over all day, man. It's game one of the tournament, so you don't want to be disrespectful, especially like when Dullander and, you know, Brinkhurst, they both have really good stats. Both of them have a sub three ERA. But it's I just a hitter's these, park. It's a hitter's park, but these offenses, I agree. Uh, yeah, just give me the over. <laughs> so Cody and I both taking Georgia Gwinnett. The 3 p.m. game on that Friday will be two teams making their first-ever NAI World Series appearance, and it will be the seven-seed IU Southeast against the ten-seed Concordia. Upset alert, Colin Concordia. Give me Jake Foskett and Nick Little to piece together an absolute gem. I like Kander and Grabanski. I just think this Concordia offense has too much power to not at least scrape a couple of runs in that small part. And if Foskett can give you five innings, you don't even need more than five. Give me five innings from Foskett. And I like Concordia to get the win. Not so fast, my friend. Hunter Cloak on the mound for IU Southeast. You combine that with the high-powered offense also on the other side of the field with IU Southeast as well. Brody Tanksley, uh, you know, you've got Marco Romero. Dante DiCello, every time I look up, is on base. I mean, they just have so many players that are constantly on base I am going to take IU Southeast in this one. I think it is going to be close. 
I think it'll be a good ball game. But I'm going to take IU Southeast. This one, Cody, has like a 7-6, 7-5 feel to it, does it not? I mean, because Foskett, you know, it, it really depends on how long they run him out there. I'm with you on that. If you're trying to get two outings out of Foskett, I don't think he's going to go too hard. I know he's coming back off an injury. That's why they're kind of nursing him. Yeah, I do think it's going to be a super close game. I think one swing of the bat will change it. Give me Keaton Candor to change the game with one swing of the bat. Yeah, I am going to go see you any. It is going to be a good ball game for sure in that one. And then, Cody, the final Friday game on that day is going to be the six seed, Faulkner Eagles, and the three seed, LCSC Warriors. Yeah, I'm going to go Faulkner. I just think that they're going to have the better arm on the mound. Antonio Frias, the lefty, 145 batting average against. I think he's going to carve them up. I was out there in 2019 when Colton Williams did it. I think Frias is going to do it again. Give me Frias, nine-inning CG. He's going to probably Ooh. give up three to four runs. And he's, not going to shut, he's not going to shut LC out. No one's going to shut them out of their park. I saw Colton Williams. He couldn't do it. No one's going to shut him out. But give me Faulkner to win eight to four, seven to four. I think they're going to comfortably lead it throughout. I think they're going to get the win. I think they're just a better team. And uh, give me Frias to get the job done. I am also going to take Faulkner. I think Frias has been really good. You know, uh, he he's going to allow runs at this ballpark. It's going to be tough. It's hard. It's hard to play that team, the, that 7 p.m. game or on Memorial Day. You know, it's hard to play LC in those games. It is hard. They are the home team. They're going to come out for them, and nobody is cheering for you. You know, it is it is the only road inv- tough road environment you know, in the NAI, and, and it comes in the World Series. Um, and it is a home game. It's not a neutral site matchup. It is a home game. It's going to be tough. But if anybody can do it, I think it's Faulkner. They have the experience. You know, they, they know what it's like to go to Lewiston. They have the coaching staff that knows what it's like to be in that big moment. I am super excited about Ethan versus uh Free us in that one. So I am going to take Faulkner. Cody is taking Faulkner as well. So, Cody, that will take us, and we are going to do the one in two games. That will take us on to Saturday. Let's do the 3 p.m. matchup. You've got LSU Shreveport. I've got Kaiser taking on Southeastern. How do you see that one going between Southeastern and Shreveport? I'm calling for the major upset. Give me Shreveport. Yeah, I think the Pilots' offense is going to win a slugfest. I think they're just going to outslug them. I think it's going to be the first real upset of the tournament. And I think Shreveport's going to move on. They're going to be 2-0 and sitting pretty on Monday. Cody calling the major upset of the nine seed over the one seed for LSU Shreveport over Southeastern. I've got Kaiser in that game. Kaiser and Southeastern. Uh, Kaiser has not fared well this season against Southeastern. It is really hard to beat a team five times in a season. But I'm going to stick with Southeastern here, Cody. I think that they are the best team in this tournament. I know that maybe their uh, pitching staff isn't set the way that they want it to, but I still think that Southeastern, that offense is absolutely hard to get it done. If you had Pablo Revelo back out there two days in a row, you know, I mean, that's something impossible. But then I would say something different about it, but I think Southeastern wins that matchup. Moving on here to the two-seed. Cody, you have Concordia taking on Central Methodist. I have Central Methodist taking on IU Southeast. What do you got? I just like Central Methodist. I think they're just going to be too much for Concordia. I think they're probably going to throw Schwellenbach, regardless if they throw Merkel. I mean, it's literally 1A, 1B, two elite pitchers. And I think their lineup's going to be too tough to navigate. I think Concordia will have already thrown Foskett at that point. 
Um, they're probably going to have to throw another one of their better arms with Foskett to get through the nine innings. And I just think CMU is going to be too tough. Give me Central Methodist. I've got IU Southeast versus Central Methodist in that game. Central Methodist is is all around one of the, you know, as far as everything goes, that everything is needed in this tournament. I think there's a little bit of a weak spot. Maybe the only question mark for, for me for Central Methodist is, you know, they've got one really good bullpen arm in Sergio Macias. It's like, you know, how long do you want your starters to go out there? Because their starting pitching is fantastic. You know, bar none, it's, it's one of the best rotations in the nation. Uh, how long does your starter go out there? But I still think whether they throw Schwellenbach, whether they throw Merkel, you know, really uh, for this Saturday game, you have to ask yourself, which starter do you want to come back, you know, later in the tournament on, at a quicker pace? So, you know, whether you're deciding to throw Merkel or Schwellenbach in that in that matchup, because to start somebody on Monday is a totally different story to have them come back, you know, for maybe Thursday, possibly on three day on two days rest. Uh, but it sets up better to have, you know, your Saturday starter come back on, you know, a Wednesday, getting those three days in there, no games on Sunday or even Thursday on on you know, four days rest. It's going to be really interesting. Either way, though, I'm taking Central Methodist in this one. I think the offense is too much. I think their starting pitching is great. I think they've got the closer to be able to get in and out of an inning. It'll be really good and uh, Central Methodist in that one. So I've got both the one seed and the two seed advancing on to Monday. Cody, the pick that everybody's waiting for, the national champion. Who do you see dogpiling at the 64th Avista NAI World Series? I'm taking Central Methodist to win the national title. I like the way their bracket plays out. I have them winning on Saturday. I actually have them beating Faulkner on Monday night. I think Nick Merkel's going to throw a gym, and that sets them up nicely. You know, if you're 2-0 in that Tuesday game, I think their pitching depth is just super complete. I think Southeastern's a team, even though I have them losing one, I 100% see Southeastern battling all the way back to Wednesday. I definitely think they're a Final Four team, and I think they have a chance to potentially – I'm going to have to have them rattle off six straight wins. I think they could do it. I'm not projecting them to give me Central Methodist. It is going to be very interesting in this tournament. Now, my pick at the very beginning of the season to win a national championship is still alive, and I'm rolling with them. I'm rolling with the fire and Southeastern University to win the national championship. I picked them early on in the year in January. I'm sticking with it, man. And uh, that's that's what I'm going to go with. I think Southeastern has just the best offense in the nation. And when that offense gets rolling, it is unstoppable. And they put up runs in bunches, in bunches. I mean, there. how many times, Cody, this year have we seen Southeastern down early in a game? Like, not even like, oh, it's 2 nothing. No, like it's 6 nothing, 8-1. to one, And we're like, ah, no big deal. I mean, too many times they – don't flinch. They're a champion. They don't flinch. You can tell from their coaching staff all the way down, they're just top of the line. I think if we're going to pick the most talented team in the field, I think it's Southeastern without question. I mean, I definitely think they're the most talented team athlete per athlete, and they definitely have the right stuff, what it takes. I mean, obviously you're looking to go back to back on national championship picks day one. And if you do, I will never hear the end of it because I don't hear the end of Tennessee Wesleyan. So I'd imagine I'm never going to hear the end of Southeastern either. If, if, if Southeastern wins, I will be introducing myself as the, the foremost new, authority. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. The new foremost authority. <laughs> on and then there's just Cody. Playing, there's Cody. I mean, you can always call me Matt Hasselbeck if you want, buddy. <laughs> I am Brett Favre 
Um, no, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, maybe if I get this one right and, and who knows, I might, I might not, you know, at the end of the day, we're looking at teams on paper and, you know, they still have to go out and play the game and baseball's crazy, man. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be having coaches wanting me to pick them for being a national champion. And I'm okay with that, Cody. I'm okay with being Brett Favre. So <laughs> on a dark horse, and we're going to call dark horse team seated six through 10. Mm-hmm. Team six through 10, who do you see a dark horse to win the tournament? I have Shreveport. I think they're just a team that's hot at the right time. They finished the year crazy strong. They're a 44-win team that if they didn't deal with COVID, they would have won a lot more games. And I think that they're just going to be okay right now. You know, God willing, everyone's healthy. I think this is a team that can make a run. Who do you have? You know what? Uh, it's it's crazy because I could see Shreveport. Shreveport is – when I saw Shreveport, they played their worst weekend of the year. And I knew coming out of that that I did not see the, the true Shreveport team. And, of course, right after that, they just go on this crazy run that you've been talking about. And they have absolutely earned every single part of this. They deserve to be here. And uh, I could see that. I feel like the easy choice is to say Faulkner. But, you know, do they have everything, you know, set for themselves – as, as they have in past years, you know, is how's their pitching staff going to go? Obviously they're going to be able to bring back free us for another game at some point in this tournament. Uh, I think Faulkner would be an interesting one, but something just tells me my, whether it's my gut or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, I use Southeast just got done beating the best team in the nation. Top to bottom. There is no denying that top to bottom. Tennessee Wesleyan has had the best numbers, the best offense, you know, and they just didn't come. That's the great thing about tournament baseball is you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. And that's why I feel like we need to stay away from regionalized play because you never know what's going to happen uh, and and give yourself the best opportunity and best tournament possible. And so IU Southeast just got done beating Tennessee Wesleyan. Can they come off of that and not be okay with we're in Lewiston, it's good, and come out and say we're still hungry? There's more to be done. And I think if they do pick that option instead of the, oh, we're just happy to be here. Because so often, Cody, how many times do you feel like teams get to Lewiston and they're just like, man, we're just happy to make it here. And they end up just falling flat on their face. And it's two-stepped and you go home and you spend more time traveling than you do in Idaho. Right. I mean, and, right. So, so sorry, not to cut you off there, but right. for an example, 2018, St. Thomas, three seed. We spoke with Faulkner just now. They're a team that 2019, 0-2, they were gone on Saturday. So, yeah, a lot of times you just it doesn't play out the way you expect. Teams that you see going far, you lose that first game, all pressure in the world, that second game comes before you know it. It really does, man. I mean, and and literally, when you say you spoke with Faulkner just now, you just got off the phone because we've got an interview coming up on the show with Faulkner head baseball coach Patrick McCarthy here to close things out. But, Cody, man, I mean, I, I just – I'm going to go with IU Southeast. I think if they come out and they say there's more work to be done and they don't, you know, let that, hey, we already beat the number one team in the nation, uh, high get to them, and they, they get the job done, it is going to be dangerous. And I like IU Southeast as that dark horse in that spot. Cody, we've got a great interview right now with head baseball coach of Faulkner University, Patrick McCarthy, who joined us on the NAI Ball podcast via the Silverback Sports Hotline. Joining us now on the NAI Ball podcast via the Silverback Sports Hotline, all the way from Montgomery, Alabama, but actually traveling right now, or possibly even in Lewiston, Idaho, is the head man himself, the head baseball coach at 
Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama, making his ninth trip to Lewiston, eighth in a row. It is Coach Patrick McCarthy. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Appreciate you guys having me. No, absolutely thrilled that you could join us. This is your first time on the NAI Ball Podcast, so we are super excited to have you on here. And let's start there. Eight straight trips to Lewiston, Idaho. What has gone into building this program into getting Faulkner to where it is at and and really the staff that you have and all of the players that have come up and the pride that it takes to, to make this such a yearly trip for you all? I mean, you can basically, you know, you're basically a citizen there in Lewiston. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just one of those guys that believes it's all about the players and you know, players win games. And I think the best coaches in the country at any level always say, I didn't throw a pitch. I didn't score a touchdown. I, I just got the right people that that want to play hard and want to play together and, and try to be a family. And, um, you know, we've just been blessed. It's, it's, uh, Beyond all we ever imagined, I, I found a picture on Facebook from 10 years ago. And if you'd have told me we'd be up here nine out of 10 years, I would have, I'd have laughed my head off. Well, Coach, you were a national champion in 2013, uh, something that I'm uh, – I'm, I don't know if I'm okay with because we were there also. But, um, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> that team was so good uh, in, in 2013. And we actually flew all together. I think that plane ride to, to Lewiston was Faulkner, Northwood, and Lee. That entire plane ride from from Denver uh, to Lewiston, Idaho, was was a heck of a ride there. And he had a couple team, umpires on there. Yeah, I mean that team was was really special. What was it like to win a national championship in 2013 in Dogpile in Lewiston? Uh, I actually uh, in the last inning I got away from my coaches and got down to the other end of the dugout because I, I would always miss a Dogpile um, from the conference tournament or the regional that that first time um, in 2010 when we made it, and I wanted to see what it really looked like and. You know, it's a lot like getting married. You don't remember it at the time, but you have snapshots of it looking back and watching the video of it, and it was just surreal. You, you always imagine what it would be like, and, and it never plays out exactly that way in your head, and, and when it does happen, you're kind of beside yourself. Congratulations on that championship. Coach, flash forwarding, I guess, to this year, this 2021 team, I guess talk to us just a little bit about this team and what you've had to endure this year. Obviously, everyone's dealing with the outside world and everything that's going on around the country and just getting this group to Lewiston. Well, I mean, first of all, we lost eight games to COVID to start the season with Northern teams not being able to travel. And we ended up finishing the season with I think over 65 games actually on our schedule that are that are there and when they got canceled it says COVID or rained out and it was one of the most challenging years we've ever had uh, we're used to getting in over 50 games we've always played 55 in 10 years we've only been rained out four times and so the frustrating part was when uh, we were shut down for two weeks uh, by our administration because we had two COVID tests within a four-day period and it's really hard to stay motivated and keep your guys out there and 
you know, who wants to play 10 games and then scrimmage for two weeks? It, it just, it's a very, very challenging scenario. But our guys kind of bounced back from it and started playing better baseball once they got used to each other. And we, our coaching staff kept looking at each other saying, well, if we'd have played those 12 games earlier, we'd already know this about this guy. If we'd have played these 12 games earlier, we would have executed at this point. And so and that was kind of a running theme all year. And fortunately, we, we did get a good run there at the end to play enough games and, um, you know, kind of kind of have some confidence going into the postseason. Coach, walk me through, you know, what this year has been like for uh, Antonio Frias and just how fantastic he has been on the bump for y'all. It's a totally different person pitching. He, he would have had another win against Stillman University. He went three innings and we had a four-hour rain delay. I think we were up by five at that point. And, you know, I – the kid bounced back after having a really bad outing at the series two years ago. We had a big lead and he just, he got frustrated and didn't pitch real well. And um, he pitched really bad against William Carey two years ago. And then he no hit him this year. So he's kind of had the mindset of he really doesn't have anything to lose. He's, he's older, you know, his only shot is maybe something after the draft or independent baseball or, or play back home um, in Venezuela for the national team. So he's kind of been a lot more loose now, you know, going into Lewis Clark state seven o'clock game atmosphere. He's never experienced that type of game at this point. So, you know, it's just, it's going to be an interesting how it plays out. Coach. You know, we're talking about playing your best baseball heading into the postseason. Obviously, you played a conference tournament in Mobile against some of the best teams in the country. You played in a really good conference. But then opening round day comes, and, you know, you get stuck with, you know, the deepest bracket in the country. There's no question. It's the hardest bracket in the NAI opening round this season. I mean, you have your alma mater, Fried Hardeman. You have St. Thomas. And then you obviously have Vanguard, who was given the one seed, a team from California that could have been a one seed anywhere else, too. Talk to us about kind of, like, seeing that initial draw, your initial reaction and then navigating your way through that ridiculously tough bracket to get back to Lewiston? Well, it, it was a fair bracket. We, we were, we were, we spoke with several people uh, around the, the issue of who was coming and why. And um, then the I responded that, that they did their due, due diligence to get the right teams in the right place. And so um, we, we don't believe it was, we, we, We've always had a tough bracket. Um, if we don't have some of the higher ranked teams in the country, then we have two arms in our tournament that are 11 and 0. Uh, the last time Vanguard showed up, their guy was 12 and 0 after he beat us in the first game. And they tried to pitch him on two days rest, and we were fortunate to get him by the seventh inning. I think Amaral hit a hit a home run off the field, and we were able to beat him that year as well. And um, so. The way we try to look at it is, is a challenge of, okay, if you're not good enough to beat quality teams, top teams in the country at your home field, and it basically, you know, in that regional setup, it comes down to winning two out of three. You just you just can't lose two in a row. Um, and, it, and it's always been about two out of three at every level. Um, you got to win the series. You got to win – you know, the bubble game to, to, to take the series. And 
we try to look at it that way and keep it in perspective that it's just another two out of three series and you're fortunate that you're playing a, a, a tough team, a very good, very uh, aggressive, really good pitching Vanguard team that gave us everything we wanted. They won an extra innings uh, after playing nine innings in nine degree weather the day before and my hats off to those guys. And it, if you can beat them at home, then you don't have to play them out here. So um, if you can't beat them at home, you probably don't have a chance to, to play for a title. Um, so, you know, we, we try to keep it as positive as possible and uh, I'd rather rather get beat and not waste $55,000 coming out here and knowing we didn't have a chance to win it if we can't win two out of three at home against a, a quality team. Coach, I hear a lot of great things about Sean Ross also, you know, on both sides of the ball, d- defensively and offensively. What's what's he been like for your for your ball club? Yeah, coming into the season, we, we had a really good shortstop, the senior John Michael Matthews. He he had signed with the University of Alabama at a Shelton State Community College, and we were fortunate to get him. And Ross turned in turned him into the best second baseman in, that I've seen in a long time. Uh, so those two up the middle have just saved so many slow rollers, so many chink hits, so many backhand diving plays behind the bag. I, it's really fun to watch. Sean, Sean came back in about 10, 12 pounds heavier. The scouts wanted to see a little bit more power. They needed to see him uh, swing for power during batting practice and, and and not chase the breaking ball. And so he he and Frias, they they would be out early work six out of seven days of the week. And even on Sundays, they would come out and get some work in. And so those two guys, they, they deserve all the credit. They, they've worked when we're not around. They've grinded it out in the weight room. And it's just, it's happy to it's just um, encouraging to see the the fruits of their hard work. And so I'd love to see Sean get a chance to play professional ball next year. And there's a couple of teams interested. And, and we're going to tell them, look, whatever they offer you, you got to sign and go get, get going in professional baseball because you're already a step behind in, in the same, you know, hopefully free us will have that same opportunity. But Sean, Sean came back. He he no longer pats his glove when he fields it. He he can get a step off the bat just seeing the swing. Um, he, he's great going to his backhand side and, and has strong enough form to make that real long hop across the infield. So it, it's been really exciting to to watch he and John Michael Matthews in the middle of the field. They, they kind of just uh, who can make the best play that day in the middle of the infield. Absolutely. And John Michael Matthews made some incredible plays in that Montgomery bracket over last week. Just some incredible defensive plays. Uh, Coach yeah, we watched him do that all season. He, he he just he has an extra step off the bat that nobody else has. And I, I think that's why Alabama was trying to get him in as a defensive player. And he ended up, you know, having a really good offensive year. But he's he's. He can compete in single A or double A defensively with the teams we see. You know, we have Ivan Pelez in town in Montgomery, pitches for the double A team with Tampa uh, with the Biscuits. And um, so we go to their BP and 
and we just watch and we're like, hey, Jay Mike can, has more range than that guy, but you know that guy probably hits a little bit more. Um, so it, it would be nice one day that, that NAI uh, would be looked at more as the the same tier player that just didn't pass a math class or something, you know, rather than all oh, their second tier because they're in the eye and you don't really know. But uh, we just had Basabi move up to double A, Ivan's in double A, Trey Holmes is hitting really well in, in high ball advance. And so, you know, we, we're kind of on the cusp of getting some guys that, to, to break through that get caught up at any time. Coach, while I have you, I do want to ask you about this because like some other teams around the league, I know it's like a Georgia Gwinnett. When I think of Faulkner, I think of a team that's very aggressive on the base pass usually. Now, this year might not have as many steals as some of your previous teams, but what is your philosophy on getting on base and then just running? Like running, getting them over, stealing the base. I mean, you look at guys like Sam Anthony this year, Justin Laura, they've been running pretty well. So what do you take on that? Well, you're not going to believe me. I mean, first, first off, we – played 16 less regular season games than anybody else. And this is the part you're not going to believe. Our guys have a green light. Everybody calls me a liar, but you can ask any player that's ever played for me. They've always had a green light. Um, we talk about different moves from different pitchers, you know, times to the plate, shut it down with slide step. Um, it's no secret. It's just, it's just professional baseball. They get to make the decision. They know what the score needs to be that they can keep the green light or if we're down a certain amount at a certain point in the game, they're not going to run. And we just, we just turn them loose. I, I believe a guy running freely by his own choice is a lot more confident than somebody I'm making go. And I think it starts in the fall. Uh, I, I got this from Louisville's coach. If they steal in the fall and they get thrown out, they get to go back one time for free. So we try to be even more aggressive than we ever would be in the regular season so they can learn what good jumps are, so they can feel what it's like to, to know they can get a bag. And most guys, they just, they're, they're very hesitant to start with because in junior college they're told what to do, how big a lead, how many steps they can take, how, how far off they're supposed to get, what counts they're going to get assigned to maybe run in and, our guys don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They just have to focus on what the pitcher's doing and get their break and try to get the bag. Coach, we, we'll go with one more question for you here. And really, we have to focus in on, on your first matchup. It's LC, it's Faulkner, it's two titans of the game meeting on day one in the night game, uh, you know, which is really, I guess, for, for Cody and uh, maybe even for y'all, you know, it's a that's a late start uh, for myself, you know, as, as well. That's, that's a nine 30, 10 o'clock start when it's all said and done because you know, nothing ever starts on time out there. What is it going to be like um, going into that game? Yeah. And to your, to your first point, Titans, uh, <laughs> I would say we were Titans when Jeremiah Robbins was here and, and we got to beat him in the national championship his first year. And then we gave him a couple of epic games where we beat them in the first round Thursday and then they got us on a Friday and we finished second. And, uh, you know, those, those were the, the Titans of NAI baseball. Now you have Tennessee West on the Southeastern and Billy Barry congratulations to him winning his second national title last year. And 
or two years ago and right back in the game, right back in the saddle winning, uh, you know, Southeastern wins 50 games every year. So I, I don't know that we hold that label anymore. I, I think we've had some good battles with them in the past. And, um, you know, they have a new coach and it's, it's a different style of baseball they play. Uh, it's not near as aggressive. It's not near as, you know, leaning in and your leadoff guy getting hit in the face and breaking his orbital bone and then still going three for four the very next day in a game. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see stuff like that again. Um, and I'm sure Ed Sheff says the same thing about their battles with Lee University and, you know, back in the day against AUM and, and other powerhouses. But, yeah, there's so many good teams out there. I, I think it's like Tiger Wood says, it's, it's hard to separate yourself from so many good teams. All the coaches I know that have played in this, uh, that have been here twice or more, anything can happen. Like the stars have to line up. The ball has to bounce one way the right way. It could bounce one way the wrong way. And all of a sudden you're, you're playing a team twice to get to the championship team. And, the bracket is so fair when they reshuffle it on Wednesday that, you know, we're just going to try to approach the game with LC that, you know, it's, it's nine in the game, it's 27 outs and we've got to earn the right to play the, the next day in the winner's bracket. And if we play well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're right there in the mix with them. Coach Patrick McCarthy has been our guest here on the NAI Ball podcast via the Silverback Sports Hotline. Coach, man, thank you for taking some time out of your day. I'm going to go back and let you uh, campaign, as I imagine at some point in the future you're going to run for public utility board or city council there in Lewiston, Idaho. You've been there enough times uh, to go ahead and start doing that. We'll let you get going and let you be with the team. Congratulations on your eighth straight year in Lewiston. I appreciate you, and I'm, I'm, you know, just standing on the shoulders of my good friend Travis Watson, who made it out here seven times, six times with Lee University, and then won last championship the seventh time with us, which happened to be his number. So, yeah, I just appreciate you guys having us on, and, and appreciate all you do for NAI baseball and trying to make it bigger and better and get the word out that there's really great baseball at this level. Really appreciate that, guys. So a big thanks to Patrick McCarthy for joining us on the Silverback Sports Hotline and here for the first time at the NAI Ball Podcast. Cody, man, this has been a great breakdown of the World Series. I am absolutely thrilled that we got this show you know, rolling and we will have this out in plenty of time for people to listen to. Uh, absolutely excited, man, for, for everything. Any final thoughts before we sign off for the night? Well, honestly, we made it. We made it here, man. We started last week of January. Pat us off on the back a little bit. We have not missed a single week this season. Nope. Uh, that, that was a goal for us. 2018, 2019, that was a bit of a struggle. <laughs> I think even a little bit in 2020, and that was a short season. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just proud that obviously this year we were able to do it every single week, a podcast every single week. Uh, really looking forward to this tournament. Obviously, it's our last week of the season. We will enjoy it to the fullest. And, yeah, man, I'm just, I hope everyone enjoys Lewiston. I hope you enjoy the tournament. If you don't get to be there in person, $34.95, NAI Network, Google it. You can watch all the games. Uh, we'll be tuned in. Absolutely. Twitter Spaces, Instagram Live, live coverage of the NAI tournament. Twitter Spaces, of course, we are planning to do some watch-alongs with us. We will not have video of the game. We're not going to break anybody's copyright. But 
you can watch the game with us and get Cody and I's thoughts as the games are going on. We are super excited about doing that with y'all. It is going to be an absolutely fantastic tournament. We will have one show left in the season where we will be doing our awards as well as our end of the year show, uh, which will be our final show of season four. And just guys, thank you for the the ride and everything here. We are super excited that y'all made it this far. We have grown exponentially this season. We have eclipsed more than 12,000 downloads for the little engine that could this little niche podcast uh, that only plays to one level of baseball. And this is the greatest family we could ask for at this level. So whether you're an alumni, a player, a coach, a parent, a fan, anything, whatever you are, we are extremely thrilled that you are here with us. So for the foremost authority for now on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler for our intern, Connor Darnell. I'm the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez at RobG1063 for Cody Butler at NAI Ball for all of your new stat scores and information 24 7, 365 days a year. We've got your back on everything and anything NAI baseball, the nation's largest coverage of small college baseball anywhere around. So until next time, we hope you have a great day and an even better tomorrow.